What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Eric Passini is the CEO at Citizens Reserve and the former global blockchain leader at Deloitte. In this conversation, we talk all things enterprise blockchain and applying blockchain technology to the supply chain. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, I've got uh, Eric here with us. Um, thank you, sir, for joining. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, all right, you, you have a fa- fascinating background when it comes to uh, the blockchain crypto world because you actually started out um, at Deloitte uh, working on uh, enterprise blockchain solutions. So maybe just give a quick uh, background on yourself and then you can go through some of uh, the work that you were doing there. Yeah, 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 thank you. Uh, so I actually started at Deloitte a while back during the financial crisis. Um, I joined Deloitte in 2006, which is uh, an interesting time to, to join um, a large organization. It was, it was the financial crisis and I was working on closing banks. And so as part of that, obviously you are exposed to the financial crisis, exposed, exposed to what's working and what, what's not working in our banking system. And um, a few years later, 2012, I started to uh, look into cryptocurrencies. Uh, back then, the word blockchain did not exist. And so we had to create a practice inside Deloitte, which was the, 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 the crypto practice. It was not uh, blockchain back then. Uh, I did that with um, two other uh, partners at Deloitte. Uh, so it was three of us, and we were trying to convince our clients and convince um, even Deloitte internally to consider blockchain as something that is really going to change the world. And um, I've done that for six years, uh, from 2012 to 2018. When I left Deloitte a few months ago, the practice was 1,200 people, $50 million revenue, uh, cutting across a lot of industries, pretty much every every industry you can think of we were covering, we are covering, and, and Deloitte still does that, of course. Uh, and um, we've been exposed to all the different uh, a project you can think of from very large to very small, from very legit to not legit at all. <laughs> um, and so it was very interesting to be at the beginning of this industry, really, uh, and, and to be exposed to the different um, different things, different projects and different people. For sure. And, and if I understand correctly, you guys built a pretty big team um, at Deloitte to, to go after this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The team, the team originally was three people, but again, when I left, it was twelve hundred people worldwide working on different things. Most of the team, most of the focus of the team was to work on uh, building solutions for our clients um, and for um, different groups. Right, uh, the traditional clients are obviously the, the, the clients of those activities, but when you think about blockchain solutions. Uh, the clients were also new types of clients, clients who are looking to build consortium-based solutions, business transaction solutions. Uh, and so they were also non-traditional clients, uh, including some startups. 
um, which is kind of a, a new set of clients for Deloitte. And one of the startups was actually Citizens Reserve. Um, and and I was engaged with, with this client. And after some time and some discussions, I decided to, to join them uh, as a CEO. And uh, that's how I ended up working on this uh, amazing supply chain solution that we have here. Got it. Well, so let's talk about enterprise blockchain in general first, because I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who, um, you know, they would just completely dismiss the idea, right? They would just say, hey, there, there's no use for enterprise blockchain. That's all just a bunch of hogwash. And, um, you know, I'm a believer in Bitcoin. I'm a believer in Ethereum. But, but you know, the rest of the kind of corporate applications don't make any sense. Obviously, you think differently and, you, and you've uh, spent a bunch of time and now even I'm kind of fully jumped in. Uh, you know, in the alternative belief um, that there is value to this enterprise blockchain. So maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, how you see enterprise blockchains fitting into the larger ecosystem, and then we can dive deeper into just the supply chain in general. Yeah, and I think that's a very important thing to be convinced about <laughs> is that I think in the long run, we're going to see significant disruption in the business uh, world because of blockchain technologies. Um, and, and I keep saying transaction platforms, the way we see them today, whether it's supply chain, whether it's capital market, whether it's uh, any kind of platform that you use today uh, to transact, right, the payments, uh, those transactions are going to be either replaced or improved by a blockchain-based solution. And then you go into the, 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 the some of the details if you want, but you have two big, two big ways to do this from a blockchain point of view. You can say, okay, I'm going to use a, um, a a blockchain solution, a blockchain technology to improve the way I do it today. And I'm going to keep kind of a centralized business model to do that, right? So I'm going to leverage the technology, but my business model remains a centralized business model. And we see many examples of that um, where people are building new solutions, but those solutions are still a centralized based solution, right? And you can claim they are decentralized database or something like that. But at the end of the day, they are not completely new business model. Maybe new technology, but not new not, not new business model. And then on the other side of, of the spectrum, you have completely new business models, business models who are going to change the way we think about um, um, business platforms, right? And that's where we, we fit, uh, for example. But that's where you have a lot of different companies working on the next generation of business platform, whether it's banking or insurance, or again, supply chain for us, or even you know intellectual property management, and so on. So you have very different ways to look at it. One is centralized business model with decentralized technology, and two is decentralized business model with decentralized technology. That makes sense. For sure, and, and I guess you know with the enterprises who are pursuing. Uh, these strategies, how much of it do you think is driven by them actually trying to solve problems uh, inside of their organizations or with customers and partners versus there's like a FOMO effect, right? Where they just feel like everyone else is working on the blockchain. And so of course I need to work on it and let's just start a blockchain team and we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, I, I think I would I would categorize uh, the market into three or, or the drivers into three things. One is uh, some people are getting pressure from their CEO or their board, and they and they need they need to be able to talk blockchain, right? So they do something because they have to, but they 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 don't have a um, a real need. The second one is the people who are looking at blockchain from an efficiency point of view and try to get better. Um, for example, in, you know, if I stick to supply chain, 
in supply chain, you have a third of the companies in the US have more than 10 different supply chains. So it's very subtle, very inefficient, uh, and they, they are considering blockchain to improve that. So it's an efficiency play, not as much a change of business model. And then the third category are the people who are really looking to change their existing business model or create new ones. And that's a, that's a different way to look at it. So the first one is more of a perception. The second one is more of a cost savings. The third one is more of a new revenue generation. I see. And, and it's interesting because when, I, when we talk to different, and, and when I was talking to a lot of uh, clients at Deloitte, and I still talk to a lot of them today because they are now becoming partners of the platform, um, you talk to three different profiles, you, and, and I call that the three CIOs. Um, and so obviously everybody knows uh, the, the chief information officer uh, who's looking more at the cost efficiency play. And the chief innovation officer who's looking at revenue generation, new ways to do business. And then you have the chief investment officer who's looking at blockchain and cryptocurrencies in particular as a way to invest. So the three CIOs are typically the three clients, if you want, of that technology, but very different agenda, right? From cost saving to new to new way to product. And, and so let's talk about the supply chain specifically, right? Where, where you know, most people continue to hear um, from a whole host of folks that this is a sector of commerce where um, there's a lot of challenges, there's a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of bureaucracies, um, you know, just just everything is kind of needed to be fixed by technology. How do you view blockchain's role in solving some of those problems? Um, so, so I think you have three big topics in supply chain, three big pain points. <clears throat> the first one is a lack of efficiency. And we talked about that a little bit. And you just mentioned that a lot of paper-based solutions, um, a, a lot of inefficiencies. But you can argue that most of those inefficiencies can be addressed by digitizing the process and making it better. You don't really need to have blockchain for that. So that's one driver. But that that um, um, that is not the, to me the main driver. The second one is very important: is traceability and visibility into your supply chain. And this one does require a blockchain because you do need a level of trust into a solution that no one actually controls. And here we have examples of that on a daily basis, unfortunately, right? Between the uh, the, the meat we call or, or uh, people committing to organic food, or the fact that we don't know where this. Uh, lettuce contaminated by E. coli is coming from, and we have to destroy the entire lettuce stock in the U.S., you, you have significant challenges in supply chain today from a traceability and transparency and, and, and provenance, right? So that's a num- the second one. Uh, first one, efficiency. Second one is provenance. The third one is something we don't talk enough in supply chain, but I think that's very important, is a lack of access and, and if you're a small and medium, medium enterprise in the US or anywhere in the world, and you need access to sophisticated supply chain solutions, it's very expensive today. So it's not accessible. So what it means is people who need access to those capabilities, right? Whether it's inventory management or, or forecasting or, or you know, just enhanced sophisticated solutions, um, they have to rely on someone else. So they have to pay someone else or they have to go through a third party in order to get, to get this information. Um, and so it creates, of course, inefficiency, but it also creates the fact that people are not included into global commerce, right? And one of the goals 
when you work on blockchain solution in supply chain and to address all three inefficiencies, transparency, and improving the access to anybody, anyone who wants to participate in global commerce. And blockchain is critical because it provides that level of trust that you cannot deliver if you work on a centralized business model, centralized platform. So like, let's talk about a specific use case, right? What, what would be one of the, um, the, the things in supply chain that you know, maybe you feel most comfortable talking about and going through the nuances? Yeah, and I can I can pick one of the use cases we are working on today, um, okay. which is the, trace, the traceability of the of the um, of meat. Um, and you have uh, a lot of examples today from the ability to track uh, the the animal all the way to the meat that you consume um, uh, is a very very interesting challenge. Um, not only from a food safety point of view, but from a uh, economical point of view. If you produce organic meat or grass fed or um, kosher meat, uh, you have very unique um, constraints and limitations and, and regulations you have to follow. Um, and how do we make sure as consumers that those regulations have been followed all the way through? And, and blockchain can address that because you capture information along the way, you store this information into a trusted platform. Everybody who needs to have access to this information will be able to have access to this information. And you can go to a, a restaurant and you have a uh, a mini uh, a mini stick on the top of your of your stack with a QR code. You can scan the QR code and access the entire supply chain. Verify that um, all the different participants have been compliant with, let's say, organic regulations. And you can uh, even see the uh, on your phone the, the 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 farmer who's raising those cows, right? So you can you can create a very unique um, transparency um, um, mechanics, uh, which is good for business, but you can also create a very interesting cons- um, consumer experience. I see. And, and the use case here, right? You know, it seems like most of the work is being done under um, the, the promise that, you know, one, if let's say the meat was to spoil, you could actually find um, you know, where that came from and kind of uh, contain the issue. Uh, two is obviously the cost savings. Um, what do you see the teams that are building this stuff? Like, What's that number one reason? Is it actually for those in, in which the public believes or, or are there other kind of drivers as to why people are doing this or want to use this technology? Um, I think it, it's back to the three things that I mentioned earlier, which is uh, one is, is the one we talk about, transparency and, and visibility, but two is efficiency. You have a lot of inefficiency. And a good example of that is in trade finance. Um, trade finance to us is an extension of supply chain, if you want. And, and when, you, when you see that, uh, so trade finance is the, not only the ability to uh, finance activities, but also to, uh, to finance suppliers. And I give you an example on another topic that we work on, which is the electronics market. And in the electronic market, some of the suppliers, um, the first level of suppliers, the low, low end, if you want, and the supplier tier four and tier five, right? Um, they are uh, struggling to get access to credit. Um, and by opening a blockchain solution and give them the ability to engage with a blockchain solution, uh, suddenly the financial institutions have access to um, the order placed by your large manufacturers and the fact that that order is going to trickle down to that supplier. So that supplier will get an order and the bank now is more comfortable lending money to that supplier because they see the entire track of the order from the, from the top um, you know, iPhone manufacturer, for example, 
Apple, right, all the way to all the way to the supplier. And so uh, that's another way to look at it. Another way to look at the benefits of using blockchain in supply chain is to provide credit to the right and financial services to the right uh, supplier. I see. And what do you think are the biggest challenges right now for um, these enterprises? Is it things that are internal in terms of actually coordinating resources and getting kind of the bureaucratic organizations to operate in a more iterative kind of cutting edge um, you know, technology world? Or do you think that they're actually technological in that some of the technology maybe isn't mature enough yet to actually be applied to these use cases? Uh, so I would say it's none of those. Oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> I would say the, the, yeah, I say the number one challenge is um, uh, the, the 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 creation of a consortium. Uh, it's not a technology issue. I don't think it is anymore. Uh, I think we have enough technology to be able to do what we need to do from a blockchain point of view. The challenge today is how do you convince people, organizations, suppliers, manufacturers, retailers, distributors, to join a platform and start engaging with that platform? How do you create the incentive for that? Um, it's not a new issue, and it's not specific to supply chain. Uh, very often, I say the first consortium in blockchain is also the last one, uh, because the idea is to say, once you start engaging with a consortium and engaging with a, a network, uh, and you have all your suppliers, all your distributors, uh, there is no incentive to move out of that and so and create a new one. And, and that's where we are today. So you have, you have a lot of entrenched uh, parties, right, who have no incentive to move to a new platform. And because they are big, uh, it's very hard for uh, to convince them. So you have to come up with a new incentive model to move those people into a new platform because now they get new benefits um, uh, by joining that new platform. Um, and, and that's where, and we can talk about that later, but that's where I think the notion of um, um, a, a token is, is critical, is to create that incentive structure for people to participate in a, in a new platform at the business level. Got it. And then, um, you know, when you were at Deloitte and even in your conversations now, as you work with more and more uh, folks that, you know, are coming from, um, you know, these corporations and, and kind of businesses, what has been the general uh, understanding, belief, or thoughts on uh, on something like Bitcoin? Kind of, a you know, the, the polar opposite of an enterprise blockchain where it's fully decentralized. It's kind of this digital currency that um, no one even knows who created it, et cetera. Yeah, so you have, um, I think you have two camps, right? As, as you would expect, you have the people who are uh, completely dismissing uh, the, the idea, uh, the, the innovation and, um, and the need. And then you have people looking at it as uh, being curious and being, uh, you know, wanted to understand what it means for them as an organization, for them as individuals are engaging with organizations and how can they translate the technology into something useful for their own benefits. We have very, very different camps, um, and you, you know and that that that's something you have to know. You have to realize when you engage with those organizations is who is in which camp, and you don't want to spend too much time trying to convince people are not convinced of the benefit of technology. Um, and you you have to move away from the Bitcoin crypto pure pure crypto discussion quickly. Um, Unless you're talking to a retailer and someone who has who is looking to uh, provide uh, services and let let their clients customers pay with cryptocurrencies, which is which is a, a good thing too, um, but that's not that's not typically the kind of discussion you're you're having into a large organization. The discussion is more focused on 
what are uh, the benefits of using that technology, not as much about the crypto. I see. Um, okay. And then, you know, if you think more broadly about the blockchain technology in general, um, what's your take on, um, you know, what needs to happen for this to kind of reach mainstream? Right. I think there's a lot of kind of buckets right now or, or pools of people who are excited. But, but what's your take on, you know, what needs to occur? Yeah, I think I would say three big things. Um, I said the first one is regulatory clarity, uh, which is not new. Uh, we, we have some challenges in, you know, in particular in the U.S. Uh, we have challenges around clarity of what, what the regulator will do with that technology. And we see that, you know, almost every week we see um, new things coming from the different regulators, including the SEC. Uh, so as, that's the number one challenge. And one of the things that we are, uh, when we engage with, with uh, companies ourselves, uh, we look at um, you know, convincing them to join the platform. And one of the feedback we are getting is, well, I don't know what the SEC is going to say about this, so uh, wait, right? Um, uh, so that's very unfortunate because uh, when you're a U.S. company, you cannot um, convince them until the, the regulators are are open to that. Uh, but if you go outside of the US, the regulators are, most of them are very, very open to, to the idea. So that's the first, I think, limitation and, and challenge is the regulatory thing. I think the technology is always a challenge, but it really depends on the use case. Um, you know, if you work in capital markets and you need you know, millions of transactions per minute, um, that's probably not a good case for blockchain, uh, unless you create your own version and very tailored, and, and I would argue you end up in a centralized database again. Um, so I think the technology is going to get there. Uh, my, uh, the assumption that you can make on the technology side is the same assumption that Amazon made uh, in, the, in the 90s, right? Amazon said, I don't want to fix dial-up. I don't want to fix DNA. I don't want to fix encryption. I don't want to fix all the things that are not working right with the internet. I'm going to assume it's going to get better in the next few years. And I'm going to build something on the top of it. And that's exactly the, the, the mindset that we have. We are saying we know we have some limitations today, security, privacy, transparency, um, uh, scalability, performance, right? Um, but, but we are not going to fix this ourselves. We're going to engage with the community to fix it together. Uh, so that, that, that's why I'm very optimistic about the technology. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to get fixed and we won't have technology as a limitation anymore. Um, and, and we start seeing that already. Uh, and I think the third one is more, more of a business limitation. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit, but the creation of those networks, the creation of those consortium uh, is probably the hardest thing to do because you have to convince people to join forces, engage with each other in a different way, and even share information that they were not sharing before. And that's, that's to me, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, the first two are important, but I think they're going to be fixed. The third one is a much harder uh, endeavor. For sure. Um, okay. And then what do you think is the most important company in crypto other than yourself? Uh, so I knew you would ask that question. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, you know, to me, um, so the, the way I think of companies in the blockchain world is a little bit different than the traditional world, right? To okay. me, you create companies like 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 we like we do. You create company to in, initiate to to ignite a project. But you know, in twenty years, our company might be might, might be dead, and our platform will be alive, right? So I think 
Um, in, in that context, I think the most important company in blockchain is probably the first company is gonna who's gonna close because the platform is a success. Right. That that's the way I, I think about it in the long run, right? Not not next year, right? But in the long run. So uh, let's see who's the first company to uh, close doors because their platform is successful, not because they have to, but because they want to. For sure. If you could ma- wave a magic wand, what's the one regulation that you would improve or change? Uh, the one regulation or the one regulator? <laughs> um, Either. I, I, you know what I would what I would improve is I would improve the um, not one regulation or one regulator. I would actually uh, find a way to reduce the number of regulators we have in the U.S. around those topics because you have at least five different regulators working on this, and the issue is uh, it's going to take a long time for them to align, and it, it creates a lot of uh, complexities and a lot of challenges um, for for us as startups. Uh, to to operate in the space, so I would I would wish for a consolidation of those regulators into a single regulator around this topic. Got it. What's the most important book you've ever read? Oh, um, well, I'm not going to say the Truth Machine from Michael Casey because I, I just finished. I like I like that book. Um, uh, Michael Casey is an advisor to the company, by the way. Uh, which is fantastic. Uh, oh. um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the first, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe the first book I read when I was a kid, uh, uh, 20,000, I don't know. The, I don't know how to translate it in English. Actually, it's 20,000 feet under the sea. Um, I love that. Uh, from, from, from Julian. And it's very innovative, right? That's innovation. That's, that's probably something that uh, I'm very passionate about is, is the topic of innovation. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, before I finish up, I usually ask one non-crypto question and then let you ask me a question. Um, if we, uh, we got to admit that uh, aliens exist, are there alien pets or just aliens that are a single species that are similar to humans? So I'm, I'm, I'm actually convinced that aliens exist. I don't think it's, if I think it's, it's when are we going to find them and connect okay. to them. Why do you think that? Um, because I think that statistically, it's almost impossible to believe that there is only one planet in the entire universe with, with life as we, as we know it. Uh, you, have, you know, we discover new planets almost every day. And there is no way that at least one of them is going to be similar to what we have here and, and has, has developed some kind of, some form of life. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what kind of life, of course, but statistically, it makes sense to me that we're going to find something. I don't know if we are going to have a, a chance to know that in our lifetime, but I think so. And, and do the aspects, I think, I think, yeah, I would say, you know, you have pets for what, for, for company. So yeah, I think they probably do have pets. If they come over on this planet, maybe they they use Earth as pets. I don't know. (laughs) I love it. Um, All right. What one question do you have for me? Well, since you're asking questions that are not very crypto, um, there is a question I I was asked uh, one day when I was interviewing a long time ago. I was interviewing for a job. I I asked you the question. uh, If you have a third arm, where would it be? A third arm? Yeah. 
Um, and why? <laughs> I'd just turn one of my uh, legs into a third arm, I guess. I don't know. It feels like that's probably the farthest away from uh, my other two arms. <laughs> okay. Right? It, um, would make, it, no. it, it would make me more of a utility. Ah, yeah, so you would turn into a utility, utility token. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the point of having a third arm if you can't use it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, sir, listen, this is fascinating. I'm absolutely, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested in how a lot of these corporations are thinking about using this technology and you are, uh, you're at the forefront of uh, a lot of what they're doing. And uh, I think your experience at both Deloitte and then uh, now with the supply chain stuff is, uh, is really compelling. So I appreciate the time and uh, we'll have to do this again. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, you know, if, if, if your listeners are any questions, they can reach out. We have a a great platform um, and, and a website at uh, suku.world. So thank awesome. you for having me. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.